Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Hey, I want to start a new series uh, this morning, and this is fun. I love uh, preaching about, whoa, all right, see, you laughed. I did that on purpose. This is emotions we're talking about, okay? I'm just kidding. Um, but I want to talk about emotions, and I want to tell you up front, this is not a series or a sermon for your spouse. This is for you, okay? Because right now you're like, oh, good, finally, my husband or my wife is going to get their emotions under control. No, <laughs> this is for you, okay? Um, the title of my message this morning to start this off is Check Up From The Neck Up, okay? Check Up From The Neck Up. If you're taking notes this morning, the series is called My Crazy Emojis, My Crazy Emojis. Um, and I want to ask you, do you, I've been making a list this week, and maybe you're like me, that there's some things people do that make you think this person might be crazy. Is there anybody else that like, has these? Maybe it's pet peeves of mine, but I just want to see if there's anybody here. If you do these, I think um, you might be a psychopath. We just don't know it yet. Have you ever met someone who pours their milk before their cereal? These people, I think they might be crazy. I don't know. How about someone who puts, now if you do this, don't get offended. I want to receive an email, but I don't trust you if you do this. If you put ice in your milk, who does this? We need prayer. Don't you dare do that. Um, how about someone, and I know, I know specifically one person, Pastor Casey does this. He eats pizza with a knife and a fork. Anybody do this? Eat pizza with a knife? Okay, I can forgive that as long as you don't put pineapple on your pizza. Is anybody? Oh, you people disgust me. Another thing, have you ever met someone? They might be crazy. I'm splitting the church right now. <laughs> if they open a Kit Kat and they don't break it, they just take a bite out of the corner. Is there anybody here who does that? That's, this is suspect. I don't know. All right, how about this? Maybe this is just me, but if you lick your child's ice cream after they licked it, you're sick. There's something wrong with you. That's just me? Okay, nobody else? Come on, somebody get one. All right, never mind. Maybe I'm the crazy one. Last one I have here, thought of this last night, and this really bothers me. People who like coleslaw. Oh my gosh. Anybody? I call it mayonnaise salad. Anybody here like mayonnaise salad? That's I'm sorry, people. So the point is we're all kind of crazy, right? All of you are crazy that just raised your hand. Um but we all seriously have some kind of crazy, and we have emotions. Um, and I'm just glad that God doesn't operate in emotions like we do. Or maybe you're thinking like, my, like your spouse does or something, okay? Imagine if God had emotions the way we do and was like a roller coaster. You could wake up tomorrow morning and uh, spend your morning devotion time with God and just say, Hey, God, how are you? And his response could be, Hey. And you'd be like, Is everything okay, God? Like, uh, did I do something? I feel like I, you know, I feel like we've been on the right path lately. I've been disciplining myself in my devotions. I haven't really, um, I've gotten over some things you helped me through last year. I don't understand. Are you upset about something? And couldn't he rightfully just say, it's nothing you do now. It's something you do when you're 52, and I'm just upset about it today. Because he's God, he really could do that, but he doesn't do that. Thank God he doesn't have emotions like we do, because we all deal with our own version of crazy. And this series has one goal. One author put it this way, let us enlarge and purify the mansions of our souls that they may be fit habitations for your spirit. 
And I think this is the whole purpose of this series is not to get your emotions in check so it's about you or so, and that's part of it. Yes, you want to have more peace and you want your family to not have to go through some maybe some emotional things that you're going through. But at the same time, the real goal should be, God, I want my life and my mansion, my body, this temple to be a fit habitation for the Holy Spirit. And I want all my actions and my emotions to be in line with that. This morning I want to read some verses from Jeremiah 17, just two verses Seven and eight here, it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. This, these verses, they speak of this, this tree that encounters a harsh environment. It encounters this harsh environment and and it, and it still bears fruit. It doesn't react to the environment around them. The question is, how do we do this? How do you not let what's happening around you uh, actually affect the amount of fruit you bear in your life? And how, do, how does it affect your emotions when life turns up the heat? The question is, how do we keep from withering when life turns up the heat? Because a tree that's planted by the water, think about it. it can be, there can be a drought all around it, but it's all constantly pulling from the stream because it has deeper roots than that. It's not affected by the weather or the atmosphere or the storms going on around it because it's pulling from a deeper place. And I think to keep bearing fruit in harsh environments, you need roots that go deeper than what's happening around you. And so often we're controlled by our emotions and what's happening around us because our roots don't go deeper, but you can respond in a supernatural way. The thing is, many of us, we respond in a natural way, if we're honest with ourselves. And I want to give you some practical advice right here at the beginning of this series. If you're a person who something happens, you have stimulus, someone says something that irritates you, uh, your your kids are being crazy, they're not going to sleep, and you told them eight times, or or you're just having one of those days where everything's getting to you, it's very normal for us to have this stimulus and immediately respond. Stimulus and response. Stimulus and response. And the first response isn't usually the right response. So I'm going to give you a key. Create space between stimulants and response. God's not going to do this for you. This is something you have to discipline yourself to do. When someone says something that irritates you, when you want to lash out and you want to uh, yell at your crazy kids or whatever it is, I want to tell you, you've got to create space between stimulus where now, right as soon as stimulus happens, I want to respond in a natural way. But when I create space, I give the Holy Spirit a chance, and I, I, can, I can respond in God's way and not my way. Does that make sense? And so it's, it's so easy and practical, but I, I, I think that will help us if we understand this, and it takes discipline. I'm going to respond to what God says, not what the person said that irritated me. Um, Jeremiah, he, he tells us in these verses that the tree had it hard. It, it just knew the response to having a hard was I could dig down deep and have deeper roots. So its response it could, is it could flourish in hard times. Here's my first point this morning. You are complex, but you don't have to be complicated. It's okay to be complex, but you don't have to be complicated. Does anybody know a complicated person this morning? Don't, if it's your spouse, don't raise your hand, okay? It's awkward. Um, if you know, maybe in your life it's your mother-in-law, okay, don't look at your spouse again, I'm trying to help you this morning, uh, your neighbor, maybe it's, maybe it's someone at work, but maybe you, you have complicated people in your life. The truth is we can all be complicated, even men can be complicated. Can I get an amen from all the women this morning? 
Maybe it's when you're hungry, you get more complicated. Anybody dealing with a hangry person in your, in your life this morning? My wife says, I'm hangry, but the devil is a liar. So I want to I show you some things. I want to show you, these are not my opinions. These are common, I believe, misconceptions about the differences between women's emotions and men's emotions. Show that first graphic, if you would. You see the difference between a man's day and a woman's day. If you can't see it, the man's day is pretty much the same all day. But a woman's day goes through all of these different emotions because women, kind of the stereotype is women are complicated, right? And men, they, they're, they're pretty stable. Go to the next graphic. Here's another one. Here's, how, here's, here's the difference between men and women, okay? Uh, again, these are not my opinions. I just want to show you the misconceptions about men and women being complicated, but here's the thing. I'm going to explain to you why men are complicated too, okay? So this, that's for the men. This is for the ladies. Women, if, they, if something's wrong, guess what? You know it, okay? <laughs> they're not going to hide it. I mean, if you see a hand on a hip and they're like tapping their foot, okay, something is wrong. I don't care if you ask them, are you okay? And they say, I'm fine. They're lying. They are not fine. They want you to know something is wrong. It's easy to read usually. But a man, on the other hand, a man, you can, it doesn't matter what kind of day they had at work usually or, or what they're, what's going on in their mind or their heart that day, you can ask them, are you okay? And they say, I'm fine. How was work? It was good. It was fine. You know why they're complicated? Because they won't even tell you how they feel. You know why? Because we don't even know how we feel. We aren't even in tune with the whole thing, and it's complicated. Try and figure out how a man feels. It's complicated. Here's a definition for a complicated person for you. A complicated person is unpredictable and inconsistent. Being in his or her life means you have to have special knowledge of all their difficult ways, but even then, you can never be sure of how they will react. The only thing you can be sure of is that they will have a dramatic reaction because the complicated person is controlled by their emotions. Man, some of us, is that convicting somebody in this place? Uh, and the thing is, it's okay to be complex. That means there's different sides of me, but I don't think God desires for us to be complicated, meaning everyone around me has to walk on eggshells. Like, is this going to hurt their feelings? Are they going to be upset with me? And a complicated person cannot accomplish near as much as a complex person because they're controlled by their emotions. And we all have these emotions. It's, it's just about how we handle them. They're, they can control us if we allow them to because they're up and down all the time. Has anyone here ever owned an orchid? Anybody had that? Show, throw that next picture up for me, Andrew. We grab me those papers right there. That's an orchid. Anybody here ever owned an orchid? How long did it take to die? Did you kill it? They're hard. I don't know if you know this about orchids. I, I want to teach you some things about orchids this morning. These are very tough to take care of. I have instructions it's two full pages on how to take care of an orchid, okay? Let me read to you how to take care of an orchid. I just highlighted a few of my favorite parts. Place the pots near a south or east-facing window. Orchids need strong but indirect light to thrive. If you only have a west-facing window, cover it with a sheer curtain to keep the orchids from getting burned. Placing the pots near a north-facing window may not provide them with enough light to bloom. So far, pretty complicated with what they need. Maintain a temperature of 60 to 75 degrees in your home. Orchids thrive in moderate temperatures, and they'll dry if they get too cold or, or if they get too hot. 
provide gentle air circulation because orchids aren't grown in soil. You must provide air circulation to keep the roots healthy. Use an overhead fan on a low setting or an oscillating fan directed away from the orchids to get air, to keep air from getting stale or stagnant. Water the orchids just before they go dry. It's important to water an orchid based on how much water it uses rather than every certain number of days. Every few days, gently stick one to two fingers into the potting medium, then pull out and rub them together. If you don't feel any moisture on your fingers, lightly water the orchids by pouring water over the potting medium and allowing it to soak in. And the best way to water an orchid is with a spray bottle. Because they like humidity, okay? And the next part says, mist orchids daily if the humidity level in your home is below 40%. Orchids do best in environments with 40 to 60% humidity. Pick up a hygrometer, is that how you say it? From a gardening center or superstore and use it to test the humidity in your home. If the humidity is less than 40%, use a spray bottle with a fine mist setting, setting to lightly mist the orchids and their potting medium once per day. But if the leaves get wet, the leaves are not supposed to get wet. It says to use a, a soft towel to dry the leaves. If the humidity in your home is higher than 60%, place a dehumidifier in the room where your orchids are to prevent the growth of bacteria and fungi. Anybody want an orchid? This is better care than I take of my kids. Can I be honest this morning? My kids are less complicated than an orchid. And we have these things. All the People own these things. They pay good money for these things, but they are so complicated. Can I tell you, I don't want to be like an orchid. How many of us can say, man, I'm complicated. I need like an oscillating fan, okay, in my room. I need to make sure that everything is perfect in my day or else I'm not going to have a good day. I don't want to be complicated. I don't want my wife to have to coddle me. I don't want my kids to have to walk on eggshells around my house. And I definitely don't want to be a high maintenance or a needy friend. You know what I want to be like? I want to be like one of these, the next picture. I want to be like an oak tree, You know what? You never even have to water an oak tree. I don't even have to own a spray bottle to take care of an oak tree. I don't need an oscillating fan. You know why? Because an oak tree has deep roots that when it's not rain around it, when the weather is not helping it to survive, it will dig deeper and pull from some other place because the circumstances around it do not affect the oak tree like they would an orchid. I want to be a pillar of strength. Let's read Jeremiah 17, 8 again. It said, they'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. The oak tree can flourish even in the wind, even in the drought, because it has deep roots. I think God desires for us to have these kind of deep roots. That's how we solve the issue of being complicated. The first thing that we need to do if we're going to be less complicated is we have to find the root of the issue. What's the root of of us being complicated? You know, years I have lower back issues, and years ago I went to a chiropractor for the first time because I was having leg pain when I would drive. In the back of my leg it was hurting, and I went to this chiropractor and I said, I have leg pain too. I know know you adjust my back, but I have leg pain. And, And he said, actually, that's referral pain. And he said, that's not the root of the issue. If you want to leave this office and feel better, we have to get to the source of the pain, which is actually your lower back. And some of us, I think we try and deal with emotions and external issues without ever getting to the root. But guess what? If you really want to deal with the pain and the situation, you got to get to the root of the issue. And the root is our heart. 
The root is a heart issue. The thing that's really going to make you feel better and what's really broken is your heart and it leaks into relationships and every issue in our life. And you can change relationships and you can change neighborhoods and you can change workplaces and you can change churches, but if you don't change your heart, it's going with you. The emotions that you feel inside, they come from your heart and it's not going to get better unless you let God deal with it. You can try and figure out what it is, but there's only one person who can truly diagnose you. You need a divine diagnosis from God. He puts you together and he's the only one who can tell you what is wrong and how to fix what's going on in your heart. We are God's handiwork, so all of our problems and all of their solutions are theological. All of the problems and all of the solutions are up to God and, his, and what he says. He's the one who can heal you because he puts you together. You're his handiwork. I want to give you a few things this morning. Uh, as, before I close, there's three things I want to give you, that, give you that are going to help you ask yourself, with God's help, why am I so complicated and why am I so down? Why am I so needy? Why am I so emotional all the time? Because I don't, want, I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend another week being complicated. I don't want my wife to ask, why is, why is my husband always so angry? Why, I don't want my kids to always wonder, why does dad never seem happy? I don't want this to be seen by people around me. I don't want to be complicated. I want to be like an oak tree. So how do I give myself a checkup? The first thing you do, and this is pretty practical, and I love practical things, is check your countenance. Check your countenance. That means like your physical facial expression. Throw up that next graphic, if you will. Which one of these is your default face? Can I ask you that? Because we all have like a default face. Which emoji is your resting face? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm afraid, and I'm going to give you evidence for this in a minute, but I'm afraid that my resting face is this sometimes. This angry, mean mug, I feel like, is my resting face. And I know some of you are like, Brent, you're so, you're so happy, you're so nice, you're the pastor. What do you mean? I'll I've noticed that every time our publicity team takes pictures of me while I'm preaching, I look so angry. Like I ask myself, who hurt you, Pastor Brent? What is going on? Watch, show a couple pictures, Andrew. Look at that. I just pulled a few so you guys can see them. Go ahead and go to the next one. That one's a little blurry. I just, they're not good to put on social media. I'm just angry. Like what is wrong with my face? I have this resting face. Look at that. I call it passion, but I don't know. I just seem so angry. And it's always the same, scowling at you like I'm better than you. No, I'm just kidding. But is that the last one? And I just ask myself, why do I look like that? And I know you think that's funny, but you, you don't see things from my point of view because I have to look at you guys every Sunday. And I'm telling you, some of your resting faces, I mean, I get everything from this, like bored face. To sleepy. I mean, some people can't keep their eyes open. Some of you, some of you, I do get this with the covering your face the whole time. I'm, I'm telling you, I see it, and, and I'm watching you. Remember that. I'm watching you. Maybe you're looking at your phone. I see it. Okay, I know what's going on. Just kidding. No judgment. You're probably looking up verses. I know what it is. Studying to make sure everything I'm saying is true. I wrote a song for you this week. You ready? If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. If you're happy and you know it, then your face should surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Um, 
I honestly think that we should reflect the countenance of God, the joy of God. Don't you think that we should reflect that if we're full of this joy and, and what God says? I, I think people can go through life with an angry countenance, and I actually think it affects our heart. I don't know how this started for me. I think back maybe like in high school when you had to look tough so nobody would mess with you. You know what I mean? And so you, you just walk around like you're ready to fight somebody all the time. And, and I think maybe it's stuck. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it was pain. Something happened in your past and it hardened you. And now you have this countenance and, and you have this resting face, this emoji that is not actually helping anything. It's actually probably making it worse. And, and I started to wonder to myself, can my emotions be tricked by my face? And I've been doing this weird thing. My wife thinks I'm crazy. I'll walk around like with a smile purposely on my face. She thinks I look like a psychopath. You ever tried it? Go ahead. Give your neighbor like your biggest smile. Creep them out like right now. Just some of you are too cool. I see how it is. All right, never mind. Don't do it. But I've learned that my emotions are actually not that smart, that I can lead them where I want them to go. And I could actually lead them away from places I do not want them to go if I'm intentional about it. And if I actually try, I can help control it. I can do, I can do things like I can sit in traffic and smile and say, I love traffic. More time to pray, right? More time to listen to worship music. This is awesome. Or you can say, the car broke down again. <laughs> this is a, I love being on the side of the freeway. This is great. And I'm telling you, it sounds like I'm joking, but I promise you, your countenance affects things. Um, your emotions are a device, and you can lead them. People at your workplace, maybe people in your family are constantly coming to you and making you angry and offering you beef, but I'm here to tell you this morning, you can say, no, thank you, I want chicken. You don't have to accept beef just because it's offered to you. You can control your emotions. They're a device. It's time to send a different signal to your soul that says we can get through this. We can thrive. I'm not going to walk around downcast. Sometimes you need to preach to your soul like David did and said, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Rejoice in the Lord. And he led his soul to do what he knew it was supposed to be doing. You know why? Because he was like an oak tree with deep roots that said what's going on around me is not going to affect my countenance and, and what's happening in me because in the scripture countenance what your facial expression countenance is a big deal numbers chapter 6 verse 24 through 26 says the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace I love those verses because it tells me when I'm going through a tribulation, what's going on around me does not have to get in me. I can be like an oak tree, and I draw my countenance from God's countenance. And if he's not worried about my situation, and he's not depressed about what, what's been happening in my life, then I don't need to. I'm going to dig deep, but that's okay because my roots are deep, and I'm not drawing from my situation or my circumstances. And some of us, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we're like that orchid. That if everything doesn't go perfectly in your day and you experience just the right amount of encouragement and nothing goes wrong, then maybe you could have a good day. If it doesn't go that way, 
bad day, bad emotions. Everyone, when I get home, is going to get it today because this is, this is not the way I hoped it would be. Guess what? That kind of day that you're hoping for is rarely ever going to happen. you got to make a choice. Am I going to allow my emotions to be based on circumstances? Am I going to allow them to lead me or am I going to lead them and, do, and, and dig deeper and say, you know what? I can't control what other people do or say, but I can control my countenance. I can't control what um, those people did to me that hurt me, but I can control my countenance, and I'm going to allow God to do what he wants to do through me. If we're children of God, our countenance should resemble our fathers. You already know this. I know you tell your kids all the time, you are just like your father, right? Or they get on your nerves, you are just like your mom. I can't believe the way you backtalk me. Whatever it is in your family, I'm telling you, you already understand this. What would it be like if people saw you and said, you are just like your heavenly father? Isn't that something that we'd want to hear, that our countenance actually resembles our father in heaven? But I've met some Christians that actually their countenance is worse than some people I know that don't know Jesus. And I'm, like, and I'm wondering, why in the world would I want the Jesus you have when you look miserable having him? I think as Christians, our countenance should match the countenance of our Father, and we shouldn't be swayed by what's happening around us. The way you look at life is a direct reflection of, of how you think God looks at you. Your perception of life is, is a reflection of how you think God looks at you. A.W. Tozer put it this way, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. If you think God is harsh, I'm telling you this morning, you're going to be harsh. If you think God is unforgiving towards you, you're going to be unforgiving towards others. But if you've received the forgiveness of God, then you should freely be able to give the forgiveness of God. If you see God as he truly is, then you'll be able to act as he truly is. If you see God as judgmental, you're going to be very judgmental to people who aren't like you. But if we see God the way he's revealed himself to us, then we can reflect that. If we're beholding the face of God, we can reflect God. If you're beholding negativity, you're going to be negative. If you're spending time with God, if you're getting in his face, his face shines upon you. Like the verse said, let his countenance shine upon you and you become like God. You cannot spend time with God and it not change you. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 puts it this way. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of, no, of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I wish somebody here would get in God's face this week. I wish you'd spend some time looking into the face of God and spending time with him. Get in his presence. Get away from some negative people. Let his countenance shine on you. And I promise it will change your perspective of life. It will change your perspective of your circumstances because you're getting some deep, deep roots and he'll lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Check your countenance. The second thing you got to do is you got to check your circulation. Check your circulation. I'm going to explain that. Proverbs 15, 13 says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, right? A cheerful countenance, but heartache crushes the spirit. You know what that tells me? That tells me to change our countenance, I need to first look at my heart. Because remember I said you can deal with the referral pain, but you got to actually get to the root if you want something deeper to change. And that's why the Bible says guard your heart because everything in life flows from it. If, you, if you're having issues in life, it's probably the root might probably be your heart because everything flows from your heart. 
You know what the worldly definition of a joyful heart? Here's how you get a joyful heart. It's based on what flows to you. That means if everybody treats me right and everybody does what they're supposed to do and everything goes according to my plans, then I can have a joyful heart. But God's definition of a joyful heart has more to do what flows from you than to you. And, and this is a different, different way of thinking for some, I'm sure, but it's important when it, what, that what comes from your heart is, is more important than what flows to it. Next time you're down, I wanted to ask you, check your circulation, because there's no life without circulation. Think about physically in your heart. They say your blood flows out of your heart, flows through your entire body, and returns to your heart every six minutes. The same blood that went out comes back in. It's circulation, right? And if that ever stops, then something is wrong in your body. In the same way, in our relationship with God, I believe we're supposed to have uh, proper circulation. You wonder why you're depressed and discouraged and down and sorrowful and your, and your countenance has fallen. Could it be that you've cut off your own circulation? Could it be that you're not having circulation in your life the way that you should? God has put things in your life and you cut them off and they never flowed out of you. You know, I've, I've seen this in church a lot where we, where we come and, and we try, when we experience God and we get so full of God that we become like a sponge and we're so full and leaving, we never pour anything out and we wonder, why can't I get more full? You are so full. Why don't you go give something and then God will give it back to you and pour something back into you. That's the circulation that, that I think God wants us to look at. You know what a dead church is? It's, it's not a church with bad music. It's not a small church. That's not a dead church. A dead church is a church with nothing flowing from it. God has filled it up, and God has done something in it, but nothing is getting out. And some of you th this morning, you've been serving God for a long time, and at some point, you cut off your circulation, and you stop pouring out what he was doing in you, and, and you wonder why you're down, and you wonder why you're having a hard time. You've been spiritually dead for years. Maybe at some point it became about you and what you wanted and what you needed from God and something you didn't receive. Could it be that at some point you cut off your own circulation? Could it be that it has more to, to do with you than it does with God or other people? Check your circulation. Is, is it possible that you're not down because of something you didn't get? It's something you're not giving. Here's a prescription for you. Throw that verse up there. Luke 6.38. Here's a prescription to help you. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I'm telling you, this is, this is really simple, but this is really important this morning. If you need encouragement, give encouragement. You need love from your spouse, give love to your spouse. Get your circulation moving. The very same thing you're asking for, you refuse to give. You've cut off your own circulation. You need forgiveness, give it. Because verse 37, the prior verse says, forgive and you shall be forgiven. You see, you got to get your circulation going. Because whatever you give, you will be giving. My question for you this morning is, what are you putting into circulation in your life? If you're giving out bitterness, guess what? You are going to get bitterness back into your heart. The very thing you've been giving, you are drowning in because you gave out bitterness and now it's been delivered back to your system and you're drowning in the very thing you're giving out and saying, why am I not getting anything? I'm telling you this morning, you've got to get your circulation quit, right and say, I'm tired of blaming people for what they did. I need a new thing flowing through me. I need to give and it will be given to me. 
This is why the oak tree can stand the drought. It has circulation. It digs deep. That even when there's no water being given to it, it can pull water from another place. And it, can, it, it has circulation that runs deeper than what's happening around it. It has a deeper place. When you come to church, I need you to know this is a chance to fix your circulation. You come into church and you're thinking, thinking this morning, I have no joy. Guess what? This is a place you can rejoice and you give what you're trying to get and leave here full of joy. And this is, this is true with all aspects of God. I know um, giving is another area where we think, oh, I don't have any money. And can I tell you, I've experienced giving with God. And every time I give, he gives back to me. I don't give with that purpose. I give, say, I need this in my circulation. I'm going to put some money into God's kingdom. And it comes back around and God begins to bless me. And it's true about everything in God's kingdom. We got to get our circulation moving. Whatever it is you're lacking, start giving it, and I promise you'll start to get it right back to yourself. So number three, the last thing. Can I get the worship team to come up and help me? This is the last one. It says, check your connection. Check your connection. I need to tell you about some emotions I had a couple weeks ago. I, uh, I got so frustrated. I sat down to relax one evening, and I, try, and I tried to turn on my TV, and my remote wouldn't work. Yeah, it was, it was I know. Pray for me. I'm just kidding. Um, and I, third world, or first, third, first world problems, right? Um, and I, I checked the batteries. The light was, it was, everything was working crazy. I got so frustrated. I started speaking in tongues over my TV. I mean, I, I accused the, the devil of doing something to my TV. I, I could not do it. I slapped the remote. You know, that works sometimes. You just got to smack it, right, guys? That's, it's, it's, it's happened in the past where that has worked. But I, then I realized something. After I got so frustrated for a little while, I realized the reason nothing was working is because I was using the wrong remote. You ever been there? Yeah, right, you have. Um, the remote was not connected to this TV. And there's something as I was preparing this, I, I need someone here to know you may need to check your connection because things haven't been working and operating the, thing, the way that you thought they should and you're getting frustrated that you're not seeing any fruit out of your life. You may need to let something go. You may need to disconnect from your ego. You may need to disconnect from some people. You may need to disconnect from some things in your life that are polluting you and not causing you to grow and stretch your roots a little deeper and say, God, even when what's happening around me will not affect what's happening in me my roots are deep. You see, a tree that withers, it lacks roots connected to a water source. It's connected. If you're not bearing fruit, if you're withering, check your water source. Check your roots. Check your connections. If your emotions are out of control this morning, check your connections. If, if you're complicated this morning, check your connection. Because blessed is the one who trusts in the, in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its room, its roots by the stream. I need you to know this morning, I'm connecting to the stream. And I'm inviting you to come with me. I'm saying, God, you know what? I'm tired of allowing everything that's happened around me and expecting that to bring something to me. I don't want to be like an orchid. I want to be like an oak tree that I'm not going to expect anything from anyone else. My roots are deeper than that, and I want to just have the freedom to just be a blessing in people's lives around me and not have any expectations of how they're going to treat me or anything because my roots are deeper than that. And even if they treat me wrong, it's not going to shake me. And even if I don't get what I want, it's not going to shake me because my emotions are rooted in the stream. 
You know, one thing that helps an oak tree is it always stays connected to the stream. It never gets up and uproots itself. And maybe the problem that you're having is every time you connect to the stream, you, you start to experience God a little more and you, and you start to discipline yourself to connect to a deeper place with God and spend time in the Word and spend time in prayer. And then a week or two goes by and you uproot yourself and you move away from the stream thinking, I don't really need this and there's something else out there that's going to keep me alive. And you keep withering and you're not bearing fruit. I need to tell you there is a stream that says if you will stay connected, then you will never find yourself dry, not bearing fruit. There's a stream that if you stay connected to it, your emotions are going to be under control, and other things will not sustain you. Your spouse will never sustain you. It's not deep enough. you got to check your connections. Your work will never sustain you. You'll go for another career that you think is going to be something, and you're going to get there and realize this is not going to sustain me. This is not what I thought it was going to be. Your roots have to be deeper than that. Your circumstances will never sustain you. Only the stream of God will give you constant and full sustenance. Only the stream of God will keep you bearing fruit in every season. Can I ask you to be like an oak tree with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just declare this morning, we are connecting to you, Jesus. We believe that you're a stream that never runs dry, that you give us living water, God, that will never thirst again. That means I don't need anything from my spouse. That means I don't need anything from my coworkers. That means I don't need anything from my friends. I don't need anything from anyone, Jesus, because my roots are in you. I'm free to be a blessing to everyone around me. God, we take control of our emotions, and we go to a deeper place this morning. I believe some of you this morning are going to have such an encounter with Jesus Christ. You're going to leave this place and have control over your emotions. They're not going to lead you anymore. You're going to check your countenance. You're going to check your connections. And you're going to continue to grow and, and, and understand that God has, a, has something he wants to release in your life this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we will no longer use our, our emotions as our, as, our, as our God. And we will not allow them to lead us. They will not be our master, but they, they will just be indicators, God. And we're going to take those indicators to you. I'm, I'm going to create space between the, when something happens... And when I respond to it, Father, I'm believing that you're going to help us to discipline ourselves in those ways. In Jesus' name. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? You know, this last weekend I got to get away from the town. I went up to the forest, and, and, and I love going into the forest. But there's one thing, again, first world problems, okay? I don't need you to feel sorry for me, but I had no cell reception or internet where I was. Isn't that terrible? And and I, and I started to think, man, this is crazy how much this, this matters. Like how often I actually want to look at something on my phone or call or, or text someone or take care of these things. And I realized, man, my connection was simply in that place. There was nothing I could get to. You know, now with phones, it's pretty cool. You, you don't even have to have things on your phone. I don't even have it in my phone, but I can access it in the cloud. Anybody know what the cloud is? It's like in the, I don't know, it's in the air. It's in the internet somewhere, and I can pull things from it when I don't have it in my phone. But I had no connection. I couldn't do that. But, but I need you to know this morning that there is a cloud available to you. When you don't have it in you to get through what you're going through, and you don't have it in you to treat people the way 
way God would want you to treat them when they're treating you wrong, there's a cloud that you can access and say, you know what, I can go beyond myself and I can pull things deeper. I can get to the cloud and say, you know what, I don't have it in me. But Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I believe we're going to connect to the cloud, to a deeper place that's holding things that we can't do ourselves, Father. And I'm just believing this morning, we're going to access you in a new way in Jesus' name. If, if you're here this morning and you just want to say, God, I want to take authority over my emotions. I'm going to lead them. I will not be controlled by them. I will not have my family walking on eggshells. I will not allow those things around me, God, to cause me to wither and not bear fruit. God, I'm taking control this morning, Jesus. I want to ask you this morning to come up. We're going to have the prayer teams come up and pray for you. And I want to ask you to come pray with us. If that's not you, I want to ask you this morning to pray with them and worship with me for a while and just say, Jesus, I'm believing like never before. I'm not going to allow my emotions to control me. I want to have your countenance. I want people to look at me and say, wow, you are just like your heavenly father in Jesus' name. Will you worship him for a couple minutes with me before you leave? If you need prayer, I want to ask you to come up right now.